0: You are your child's most important teacher. These are true words of wisdom from today's guest, Lanisha Tab, the kindergarten teacher behind the popular Instagram account, Apron Education. Now, as you listen, it'll become pretty obvious that we recorded this episode back in the fall. But even though that we're halfway through the school year now, everything she shares is all super relevant because for parents, the teaching never ends. And whether our kids are in school full-time or virtually or fully homeschooled, there are things that we can do to disrupt the default of our kids' education. And as we kick off Black History Month, I love her encouragement to do better when it comes to teaching about the evils of racism and the beauty in diversity. Do you have a pressing question about parenting but don't know who to ask? We are women supporting women, and we've got you. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force podcast brought to you by Chatbooks. Before we get started, I want to do a little shout out for the perfect Chatbooks product for all the little people in your life. Actually, the big people in my life, they, they love them too. But our Chatbooks monthly minis are specifically designed with little hands in mind, with their cute little rounded corners and in every color of the rainbow. But what is a monthly mini, you may ask? It's an adorable monthly photo book subscription that for just $5 a month, you get 30 of your favorite photos in a five by five book each month and shipping is free. Also start your monthly mini subscription and you get your first book free. You are going to love them and so are your kids. All right, now on to our episode. Hello, hello. Welcome, Lanisha Tab. Thank you for being here today. (laughs) Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, this is a thrill for me. I've been following you since the summer on Instagram, and I've loved everything that you've put out there. So inspiring. And I know I'm not the only parent that is struggling with some really tough questions this year about schooling for our children. And I just know you're going to be the person to answer all of those or at least help (laughs) us think about them in the right way. Can you just tell tell us a little bit about yourself and the name of your Instagram, which is education with an apron? Where, Where did that come from and what's that about?
1: Sure. So, well, I mean, a little bit about me. I'm a wife. I'm a mom of two. I've got, um, they were seven and four two weeks ago, and now they are eight and five. I've got to work the numbers out. Okay, so both nice. of had birthdays and I teach kindergarten. This is the 15th year. Wow. Yeah. And I've been primary all of those years. I don't know in teacher world on social media, we had what we called like a blogger boom where all of a sudden teachers all over the country just started creating like blogs and sharing what they were doing in their classrooms. And I started one of those and it became like a thing. And then Instagram came along and just robbed everybody of their blog because who had time to write an entire blog post when you could just throw it on Instagram. So we've got Teachergram and everybody's, you know, made their little, their brands and um, their little classroom names or logos and things like that. And I just wear lots of aprons um, in the classroom because they're cute and fun and there's pockets. So when you wear dresses, you can throw all the things. Yes,
0: pockets.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And um, that just kind of was something I always did. And I just made my name education with an apron. Like, that's all there is to it.
0: That's so awesome. I had no idea that there was such a community of teachers Mm -hmm. out there until... I started thinking about, am I going to have to homeschool all of my kids? <laughs> like, I need resources. And that's kind of how I found you, digging and finding you have so many things out there, like lesson plans and a whole library of curriculum and guides. And it's amazing. If you guys want to dive deep, there's a fascinating world out there. But I'm hoping you can help us answer some of these tough questions that I know I've seen come up in our Mom Force Facebook group, and one of them specifically about how to go about schooling our kids because we have options, right? Right now, we've always had options for homeschool or private school or public school, but with the pandemic, we're being forced into some of these that we might not have chosen, like distance learning and homeschool and virtual school. So as parents are trying to decide the best way to school their kids, what advice do you have for them? And is there one right
1: way? (laughs) I mean, I definitely don't think there's a right way. I don't know. So to answer this, I'm coming from a place where I teach in a school. (laughs) Um, I was going to be going back face-to-face, and I was very nervous about that. And then the day before school started, we had an explosion of families that wanted to go virtual, and they needed another teacher. So the day before school started, they asked if I would flip to virtual. And I said yes. So I'm teaching 40 40 kindergartners every day, virtually. Um, oh
0: my goodness.
1: <laughs> I, know, I can't I even imagine. <laughs> We've gotten it together. It was a bumpy start, but we, we got it together. But then on the other hand, like I said, I've got two children. I've got a kindergartner and a second grader. And so um, it was a very, very stressful time as I'm sure it is for all the moms listening. Um, you just didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I was gonna resign because I was terrified to go back to work face-to-face. And then, but if I was going to resign, what was I going to do with my children? Because then I wasn't going to go back, you know, not go back to work yeah. within them school. That didn't make sense. And so, you know, I am uh, a believer and I'm a Christian and I literally just had to like ball this whole thing up and take it one day at a time, give it to God and be like, okay, I'm going to move forward with what I feel like is best. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping and praying for a sign if I'm supposed to do something else like, please redirect me. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what we've been doing. So one day at a time. We were fortunate enough um, to where the numbers were fairly low. Um, so when I sent my kids back, my son only had like 13 or 14 other kids in the classroom. Normally, the numbers are more like 25, 26. And so, you know, that's where we are. So when I hear a question like that, I really feel like that's all anybody can do is, make the very best decision that you, you know, in your heart, you feel like is the best and take it one day at a time. And if it's not working, I don't think there's anything wrong with course correcting and saying, yes. "Oh, okay, that was not it. So we're going to try something else and giving yourself the permission to be like flexible with these choices that we're faced with. Cause it's a lot. No one in history yeah. has ever had this kind of a situation to deal with. So
0: yeah, and accompanied by underlying fears of like a real disease that is spreading quickly. I'm so glad you said that about course correcting, because when our district last year announced that all schools were going to be going virtual, my daughter who was in eighth grade at the time was really having a hard time. And I think teachers are scrambling trying to figure out how to flip from in person to virtual and like what platforms and it was just it became so much that I just withdrew her and said, you know what, we're just going to figure out a homeschool plan. And, you know, that was a little bit scary, but for her, that was the right thing. And yeah, I want to give power to parents to, you know, trust your gut, make Mm -hmm. the choice that feels right at the moment, but it's totally fine to change your mind. I think so. So, There's no one right way to school your children. (laughs) I believe that about everything. There's never one right way. Another concern now with all of these varied ways to go about education, I know I've worried, like, are my kids going to be able to keep up, you know, in quotes, like even Mm -hmm. in my neighborhood here, my youngest is in seventh grade. There are kids here that in seventh grade are doing schooling like five different ways. Mm -hmm. What do you say to parents who are worried about them keeping up on whatever track that they've chosen for their
1: family? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what you just said there at the end is is critical. For whatever reason, so many people have put these expectations on themselves and their children, and it's like this this rat race. And it's like, for what? Why? I'm like, so when I hear you say that, I'm like, keep up with who? Yeah. We're in a pandemic we're in a pandemic, you know, we'll get back to normal one day, but it's not like every other child in the world is sitting getting this amazing education and your child is at home not getting this education. You know, everyone is doing a, a variation of schooling. And so my advice for that is, to give yourself some grace there because of that reason. And then you have to think me, I'm, I'm looking at this from a totally different viewpoint because I am an educator. So I do see families sort of like what you described who are worried about keeping up. But then I see families that don't even have internet Access and they aren't even able. You know right. the issues that come with this pandemic and, and all children being able to have access to the same education. So I'm like, I've got you know I see families you know trying to keep up with this race that they've put on themselves. But then I've got you know children that like, are you learning at all? You know. And yeah. so when I sit back and really sort of just consider all that's happening in education, I would just really encourage people to take a deep breath. <laughs> um, okay. You know, take a deep breath, and it's just kids are resilient, especially kids growing up now. I look at my own two children and I'm like, okay, you've gone through a pandemic, you're surviving, you're coping. The skills that you're getting in this are going to serve you well in the future, Um, you know, and do the best you can. You know, they're not going to completely fall apart and lose everything that they've ever learned just in this time that we're in. I think we will get it back together eventually. And I really do think children will be fine. I think it's more parents putting the pressure on children and worrying about that than it really is um, the reality for children.
0: So many times that is the problem. It's our expectations and what we want. So I have seven kids. And my oldest is 25. My youngest is 12. I only have three living at home right now. One is a senior in high school. But I've I've gone through this race of like trying to prepare your kids and have them take all the classes they need to take so they can get into college. And so I think that's kind of where that fear comes from. And, you know, granted, if you're in elementary school, you've got time to get caught up. But like my daughter's in ninth grade right now, like everything counts towards her record for college. But. I, part of me is seeing changes even in the higher education world. Like standards are changing. And you know, this is such a flexible time and with all of these new stresses and uncertainties, we're rethinking a lot about education and about what's important in education. And so thank you for just reminding us to take a deep breath. That's the solution to so many problems.
1: Just breathe and give yourself some grace and yeah. It's all going to work out. And I, yeah, I really agree with that. I do. I think because I, when you said that, I was thinking like, oh, yeah, I did approach that question because so many times I'm asked about little kids mm-hmm. and I was very young, child minded. So I'm thinking like, because I get parents that are like, they're not going to learn how to read. yeah, about writing. And so I, that's the way I was thinking. I can definitely understand the pressure for older children that have different kinds of pressures. But I agree with exactly what you said. I've seen college admissions changing requirements and I've yeah. seen rethinking and I love it I say shake it all up me too I love it so. so
0: how can we make a good learning environment at home you've been building a classroom for 14 years what tips do you have for us parents to make home a good learning environment
1: just in general not during like virtual
0: learning or all of it I would um I would say virtual learning and in general Yeah, because I think we're going to find ourselves moving in and out of these phases. But what can we be doing at home that will help our kids learn and have a good experience?
1: Yeah, interestingly enough, I feel like for the virtual learning experience, if I can get a child in a quiet spot, that's just about all I need from a parent. Oh,
0: (laughs) interesting. So no siblings running around and the TV on and all that (laughs) stuff. I bet that's crazy with 40 kids.
1: Yeah, so I do have to do a lot of teaching on mute because otherwise no one will hear anything but you know at the end of class I always unmute and we sing a song together and it is chaos and I'm thinking all this noise is happening while I'm teaching like you know are you get you know how are they learning if
0: that's what's going on in the background okay so a quiet room
1: My standards are pretty low for that I like just give me a quiet room and your child I'm a teacher I'll work that out I know how to do that part you know I can even do it through a screen but, but just in general I feel like you know, and again, forgive me, I'm probably addressing this with little kids in mind, but um, books everywhere, text rich environments are so critically important. Actually talking to your children. I know that c- cell phones are so just in our faces, but yeah. like, you know, there's so many times where I'm even guilty of it, where I'm on my phone and I can hear my kids going, mom, mom, you know, over and over. And I'm like, "Ugh!" like, let me put this away and actually have a conversation with you, which seems so like basic, but in this day and age, it's really not. We're also
0: distracted.
1: We're so distracted. That's exactly where I was headed. We're so distracted. And so, and I feel like that's even, even more important, the older that they get, because I feel like you really have to watch and be intuitive and pay attention to your children when they're older, because there's so many things that can be going on, especially in this technology age. And I feel like those things are really what make my job as an educator easier. Because even the need for attention is lower when a child is getting attention Uh, elsewhere. Yeah, I have students that I can tell. I can tell when you're not getting any attention at home. Because as soon as I take you off mute, they're going, Mrs. Tab, Mrs. Tab. And they're leaving me messages on C. They just want someone to (laughs) listen. They want someone to listen to them. And you can tell. And I, I also understand that I mean, everybody wants to be a good parent, you know, no one is intentionally trying to ignore their child. They've got jobs and demands and things like that. So I guess I'm saying where you can, reading as much as you can and talking to your children as much as you can, modeling those behaviors for them is extremely
0: important. Very good. Okay. This is actually something that I'm curious about because uh, my youngest is in seventh grade and he goes to a private school right now and they do everything on the computer. And then he comes home and he wants to get back on the computer. And so I'm like super like aware of screen time and wanting to cut it where I can. But for students that are doing virtual learning, depending on what that looks like, Zoom classes or curriculum online, there's just a lot more screen time happening these days. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Is is that good for our kids? And are there some other ways that we can unplug and
1: help our kids continue to learn? My gosh. So no, I don't think it's good. But I also, I mean, it's exactly what you said. It's the way of the world right now. So how do you, and I'm kind of the same way. Like I teach virtual kindergarten all day and then I come home and I'm on my laptop and, or I'm on my phone yeah. and it's, I don't think it's good. And it's, ooh, it's one of those things where, you know, that's kind of where the fun is for a lot of, so I'm like outside of forcing my children outside, sometimes they fall into the same patterns. And I think it's something that a lot of people are struggling with. And then maybe, you know, telling ourselves like, okay, hopefully this is temporary, when the world opens back up and things are completely normal, which most things are, but like, you know, sports resume and things like that. I think I'm telling myself like, let's get through this season. Let's, you know, do the best we can. And then hopefully it'll, you know, be a little better once things are more, you know, like they used to be.
0: Yeah. Well, and when... The schools were shut down and everyone was quarantined at home. I let my son play a lot of Minecraft because, first of all, I felt it feels like digital Legos and I could see him building and creating things. And he was connecting with his friends. So he was getting that social bit that it was all taken away from him. But I right. am telling you, he has an addiction now <laughs> Like, because I had that mindset that this is only temporary and then it's going to be fine. But uh, I'm seeing some crazy stuff happening. And so now he comes home from school and he wants to get back on the computer. And I want him to keep exploring and learning. But we, I do so much of my learning online. There is just like a wealth of information there. But what, what can we do to help our kids continue to learn and grow and explore the world around them that is not online? And, you know, I know you're coming from like kindergarten, but a lot of our listeners have young kids too. So I would just love some of your favorite ways.
1: Literally, I feel like the only way that's going to happen successfully is if you do it with them. Yeah. I knew My you'd kids. say that. I know. <laughs> I and it's like, I don't want to. My kids will do anything under the sun if I do it with them. Yeah. So I can't be like, go play outside and go blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, we've got a backyard trampoline, that sort of thing. Um, but the moment I'm like, okay, fine, I'll come out here and sit with you. They'll play for hours. So I'm thinking like, yeah, if we want to keep learning or if we want to do, you know, I, I guarantee as soon as parents decide to do it with them or make it an activity that you do together, then I bet they would do it. Yeah, I know you're <laughs> right. But
0: we're also tired too. We just want to veg out. Of-
1: Trust <laughs> me, I don't um, want to either. Yeah. Like, oh.
0: So tired. Oh, okay, well, that's great insight. I love that. We <laughs> often get people on our Mom Force Facebook group asking for advice or just like, can someone just commiserate with me? This is hard. And Soraya just posted on our Facebook group that she's really struggling with all of the screen time. She has a kindergartner who she says is on Zoom calls off and on for up to seven hours a day. And then she also has a preschooler and a baby and a small business that she's running and she's losing her mind. This is what she says. She says, trying to keep my daughter motivated and on task for that many hours is insane. Now we're thinking we need to look into some homeschool options for her. So first of all, I feel her pain, (laughs) right? That's, that is so hard. And also wondering, like, what are your thoughts on homeschool? Do you have any curriculums that you would suggest if someone's thinking that they're ready for a change in that direction?
1: Man, well, first of all, I'm so sorry to Soraya's child because I, I, I just could not imagine. And yeah. I threw that out on my social media. I've got a, you know, pretty good following of, of parents and teachers. And, um, I threw that out there like, you know, Hey, if you teach young children or if you have young children, how how long are they on the computer? And some of them were like, they're expected to be there basically from like eight to three with a couple of breaks in there. And I couldn't believe it. And the only reason I feel like, because I've got, like I said, about 40 families and they were all, for the most part, my principal was like, I'm getting emails and they love it. And they're having such a great experience. And it was successful because I was fortunate enough to where the district kind of let me design the day in a way that made sense to me. And basically, it was like, as long as you get the job done, like, do you? And I was like, great, I'll do that. So we have like an hour Zoom and then we take an hour break and then we come back for 30 minutes and then the rest of the day is either one-on-one or it's a small group, you know, so I was able to design this day. So I don't think any of my kids are on Zoom cumulatively more than two hours a day. I don't think. That's awesome. Um, And I try to make it as fun as I can, you know, but to just to put a little child in front of a computer, if they tried to do that to my child, I would be looking into homeschool options as well. Um, I'm not super, super familiar with homeschool. I've got one of my best friends does it, but she's one of those like cool families you see on Instagram that like travels the world. And they're like, the world is our school. Like one of those (laughs) kind of families. It looks amazing. I know me. It's kind of like how when I had my children, I thought I would be an excellent stay-at-home mom. I'm going to work and I'm going to do this. I was horrible. I thought I would be great. I was horrible. And I, during even this quarantine, when I had to kind of finish, get them to the finish line with school, I was horrible again. I'm like, how am I a teacher? But literally (laughs) the worst homeschool mom ever. It's different. It's totally different. Yes. Yes. It's different. I can teach your kids, but my kids, no. And yeah. so, but you know, desperate times though. So if I, if I had my kids in a situation like that, I think I would look into some, um, yeah. some other options. Well, and there are
0: so many resources out there. And I mean, I'll admit, I am a wannabe homeschooler. At one point when I had six kids, I told my husband, I'm taking everyone out and I'm homeschooling everyone. He thought I was crazy, but I had this (laughs) idealistic idea. But then I found I was pregnant with number seven and I was like, "Never mind, (laughs) not doing that with a baby. But I have homeschooled every one of my kids at least for one year, just depending on different needs. Again, I'm a firm believer if it's not working, make a change. Sometimes I you know, made up a curriculum. Sometimes I did a virtual online school. There are so many different, different Mm -hmm. things out there. And, you know, if you want to go to Lanisha's page on her Instagram or her um, website, she's got links to all kinds of great resources. And I bet you could go down that rabbit hole (laughs) that (laughs) for teachers out there. Um, Also, I did a Mom Force mini episode about my experience homeschooling. We'll link that in the show notes if you want to take a listen. Um, Again, it goes back to the idea. There's no one right way to do it. But one thing is universal, that this is hard. It's a lot, whether you're distance learning or virtual learning or trying to figure out how to do homeschool, it, there are so many demands, especially on mothers right now. And Janessa on our force Facebook group, she posted about how she's struggling with her little ones and with all of those things that are, have fallen on her plate. And she says, I feel like breaking down in tears by noon every day. And I know so many moms can relate to that. Um, You have little ones yourself. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. (laughs) So
0: do you have tips for how to cope with all that we're being asked to do right now and with this added pressure of, like, taking responsibility for our kids' education?
1: Well, you know, again, telling yourself it's it's temporary hopefully prayerfully it is temporary and that you know we get through a day then we get to reward ourselves um because what I selfishly am hoping comes out of this on the teacher side of things is basically a revolution for teachers because you know here's the thing with teaching if you look at any story in social media that goes viral it is either about a teacher and and they are the the heroes of the world and they're just self-sacrificing and they're doing all these things and they're the most amazing person or it's the polar opposite and they're lazy and they're complaining and, Oh, imagine if teachers were, you know, like just all these horrible comments. And I'm always in this gray space. Like it sounds weird or different, but I, a lot of us never really signed up to be a hero because when we're heroes, then it sets this impossible standard for everybody else. Yeah. As, that is a teacher. So the teacher who has the money or the resources or the time to create whatever amazing situation they've created for their students. I mean, I've seen stories about oh, this teacher created an outdoor classroom for her students. Oh, this teacher built plexiglass desks for every one of their their kids. And you're like, oh, that's great, and it's going viral, and all these people are like, oh, this is amazing. I'm thinking about the teacher with no money, no time, no resources. Does that make that teacher better than this teacher? You know, so I guess I'm saying out of all of this, I'm selfishly hoping that there's a new level of respect for educators or even understanding because you're going through it in a way that you never have before. And you're you're dealing with your child in a different way where, you know, for so many moms, it was, I I drop you off at eight, you know, have a great day and I'll pick you back up at four. And how was your day? And let's do a little homework because you're going right back there tomorrow, you know? And so I think really just, you know, Tell yourself this is temporary and then remember on the other side of this, there is a force of educators that have honestly been abused in so many ways with the way the education system is set up in our country, You know, especially for a lot. I mean, really all educators, um, it, it's tough. Yeah. And so I'm really hoping there's a new level of empathy and respect. I mean, even now, virtual teaching is, you see stories of teachers getting recorded and then posting on social media, like a parent sitting there recording a teacher and then they put, po- that is so much pressure. Oh my goodness. It's devastating. And it's like, as an educator, you, you, you can't blame like all the, the teachers that are leaving in droves. And it's yeah. like, if we all leave, though, who's gonna teach our kids? And so yeah. um, tell yourself you're, it's hard. It's hard. No one is taking that away from you. And I can speak to that from the mom side, but it is also more than likely temporary, right? Yeah. And, and we'll go back one day. So we just gotta do what we can to get through these days. And then just remember your, your dear teachers when you're on the other side.
0: Yeah, we have, we're all gaining a newfound respect and appreciation and admiration and gratitude for all of our teachers. Um, So what can we do? Give us some nitty gritty things that we can do to support teachers right now. If we have a student with virtual learning, like, like you're doing, what can we do to help
1: teachers besides the quiet room? (laughs) Quiet room, please. (laughs) Um, You know, it's grace on both sides, right? So I spent my first two weeks as a virtual teacher, literally a customer service rep. I had a headset and there was a little microphone right here and it was round the clock. Emails and and responding, and you know, and I would get parents that might have been a little snippy or frustrated because they're at home and they're like, Well, school starts tomorrow, I don't even have what I need. And I'm like, I just got a list of 40 names and I don't have anything but a Zoom link, I don't even know how to contact you, you know. And so, I, I would say, Grace as much as you can, talking to the teacher if there is an issue please stop snapping things and putting them on social media for people to bash. Yes, come to the teacher. to oh,
0: the teacher. Oh, okay, as a brand, I will echo that. If you have problems with chat books, come to chat
1: books. Don't tweet about it. We will answer your DMs. <laughs> okay. it's, yeah, it's literally the same. I feel like for teachers, because it just, it is heartbreaking to think like, you could have come to me, even if, you know, even if the teacher said something yeah. completely, you know, wild or inappropriate or whatever, go, go to the teacher first. Now, yeah. Listen, if you know, if nothing happens after that and you need to make some noise because something was wrong or unjust or something like that, I'm not going to, you know, fuss about that. But like that, the immediate response to, yeah. to put something on social media, I would just, you know, I would say you know, care, love on your teachers, tell them, send them an email. I relish the emails and the messages that are just like, we love what you're doing. Keep going. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Yeah. Like that, it means so much to me, especially in this uh, virtual learning situation. Yeah.
0: Now is the time for lots of patience and grace. That's, that's the buzzword of this episode, <laughs> grace.
1: <laughs> Let's switch
0: gears a little bit now from the how, um, how we're educating our kids to what, what we are teaching them. Uh, this global pandemic has forced us to rethink a lot of what we've been doing in all aspects of our life, including how our children are learning. But over the past few months, and with the social unrest in our country, since the death of George Floyd, I have learned a lot that has forced me to rethink some of what my children are learning. Now, I believe that we can do better, and when it comes to teaching our children about history and respecting different cultures, I know this is something that you are passionate about. I just was recently reading your book you co-authored with Naomi O'Brien, titled Unpack Your Impact, How Two Primary Teachers Ditched Problematic Lessons and Built a Culture-Centered Curriculum. This book is so good, and as I read it, I was realizing that we can do better. And we can start earlier. You're a kindergarten teacher that mm-hmm. is starting to teach children to appreciate differences in culture and society and think about equity. And as I've continued to dig in and learn and and do some some work on my own, I'm realizing that, you know, it's time to rethink some things. So I would love for you to give us a little Cliffs Notes version of your yep. book. and and let us know how we as parents can have honest and important conversations with our children about history and race and citizenship.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Unpack Your Impact was just an idea. 2016 election season, um, we were seeing some just, I mean, you were there. <laughs> we were seeing things all over the country that were just like, what is going on? It was, I mean, our country's always had, you know, civil unrest and, 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 and problematic events but for whatever reason it seemed to to peak you know in 2016 and it hit home when I was teaching kindergarten and I was listening to some students play and one little boy was building blocks and he said oh I'm building this wall because I'm gonna keep Mexican people out wow and I stopped in my tracks and was like what like, did he just say that? So that means you've heard, you know, and I, I was devastated. And, you know, so we, we, we dealt with the whole thing, you know, whatever. Um, but I went home that night and I reached out to Naomi O'Brien. Mm-hmm. At that point, we only knew each other via social media. And we would just chat all the time and just about, you know, anything. And I was like, hey, what does your social studies curriculum look like? And I told her what had happened. And this is also on the heels of all sorts of things that were similar. Um, a local middle school where I live, they were like writing things on the walls that were politically charged. So we realized like all of this political rhetoric was trickling down. Yeah. School, all the way down even to my kindergarten classroom and that was literally like when a flip just switched for me and I said you know what social studies look like for you and she was like like we don't even have a social studies curriculum and I was like you don't either I haven't been asked to teach social studies one time in all of the years that I've been teaching you know it was just like oh if you have time or if it was like a holiday like Thanksgiving or something like that or Columbus People, Day or Columbus <laughs> Day the <laughs> children and Indians lesson yeah. and that was it and I we, it started then and I said you know like what if we just started writing curriculum or resources. To use with our classes, but like, what if we reimagined it? What if we started telling like untold stories or uh, the truth about the stories that so many of us know as law? Like, you can walk up to anybody on the street and say, Hey, in 1492, and they're gonna be like, Oh, Columbus sailed the ocean. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I just that, did it in my head. <laughs> and, then, and that's on us. Like, educate, like, and it always baffles me when people feel like I'm being dramatic about young children, but the fact that Pretty much anybody can finish that sentence is a testament to the power of elementary education yeah. because you learn that there. And in your in your heart and in your mind, Columbus discovered America and that's the end of it. Right. And so when you have cities that are starting to swap out Columbus Day for Indigenous Peoples Day and there's an uproar and no one can understand why these statues might be coming down, it's because you don't have correct history. You weren't taught properly. You were taught heroification, heroes over everything. They only did good things and nothing else happened, and, you know, and right. when I've seen just this wave of resistance because it's like, oh, well, you're teaching children to hate America. How? How does the truth, yeah. like those aren't the same thing. Knowing the full story and hating America, those are two very different things. Right. Um And so, Unpack Your Impact was born out of that. So, we started writing our own lessons. We started sharing them on social media back when we both had I don't know, a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand followers. And we just kept sharing, kept sharing. And people started coming. Teachers started coming. Oh my gosh, you're teaching that? What are you doing? And so we just kept going. And then we put it out there for other teachers to use and it kind of snowballed out of control. And now we both have, you know, really loyal communities of educators that love what we're doing. We've got middle school teachers who are like, thank you so much. We don't have to undo everything that elementary school teachers do for six years and then we get them in middle school and have to say none of that's true this is what really happened and so they're like oh my gosh thank you like imagine what we could do with kids that got accurate historical lessons from kindergarten first second like we can just keep going and you know and so really that's the crux of unpack your impact um it is written for teachers but we all went to school and I feel like parents can Remember so much of what we talk about in that book in their own education. You're like, oh, I remember making that President's Day craft when I was little. Oh, yeah, I remember learning this narrative. And that's sort of what this book talks about. So, and my
0: youngest is 12. And as I read your book, I thought, I want, I'm going to teach these lessons. It's not too late. And you know, it's, it's the evolution of progress as we learn more, our eyes are opened, we do better. And that's what I think this is. It's not, it has nothing to do with this is bad. It's, this is better mm-hmm. and it's progress. Yes. And, and I love that. And I, I, I keep thinking back to what we were saying. There's no one right way to do schooling. There's also no one right way to live your life. And I loved how you talk about teaching young elementary school kids, how to appreciate different cultures. Because I think so much of the yuckiness in our world right now is the me versus you, right versus wrong, like hate, so much hate. But if we can, with these impressionable elementary age children, teach them to appreciate, to see differences and appreciate differences, what a better world we're going to have when they grow up and they start, you know, creating yeah. policy and, and, and leading. Yeah. Um, so how can we at home open up these types of conversations to mm-hmm. to create that type environment?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I feel like I have to preface it by saying, really, that question is, is, it's been two parts, because if you're a child of color or a Black child, you don't need that lesson. You will know from day one what culture is or what, you know, being a different race or color is because... Um, white culture in the United States is dominant culture. It's default culture, right? It's right. when you walk into the gym and you look at all of the models that are plastered on the wallpaper everywhere and 100% of them are white and no one thinks anything of it. But if you walked into that same gym the next day and 100% of them were Asian, people would, you would notice. And you yeah. would say, oh, what kind of, is this an Asian club? Like, why are, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. completely normal, um, white culture is just default. It is. There's nothing, you know, my daughter (laughs) hopping on Netflix, scrolling through movies and almost, you know, 95% of them feature white characters, all white casts. Right. And so when you say like, how do we teach children how to, to notice differences really, for the most part, you're speaking about white children. Um, My kids know, because, you know, my daughter was three years old the first time she came home and, She had asked some question about, like, heaven or something like that. And I was trying to explain to her, like, without being too lofty. And I said, oh, when we get to heaven, you know, it won't be like this. We'll get new bodies. And I was going on. And she was, oh, my gosh, we're going to get new bodies? And I said, well, yeah. And she goes, oh, I hope I have peach skin. Wow. And, you know, like, I'm getting emotional now because yeah broke my heart. Yeah. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? I have tried to represent her from day one. And still, she got it in her mind that, that pe- someone at school had told her that she couldn't do something or, or join a club because she didn't have peach skin. And yeah. so in her mind, yes, if we get new bodies, then I can have peach skin. So in her mind, there was already this bar of white culture that she felt like she wasn't good enough and she was Three. Three. that broke my heart. So really what we're talking about here is getting children that are a part of the default culture to recognize mm-hmm. and appreciate the fact that, you know, and it's tricky, you know, as a white parent, I can see how difficult that is because you're going to have to constantly go out of your way to represent. So I'm thinking, what books do you have at home Do all of the characters in those books look exactly like you and your children? What toys are they playing with? What TV shows are they watching? What do their friend circles look like? What does the neighborhood that you live in look like, right? And so, you know, when you think about those things, if all of it is white all the time, then yeah, you are going to have a hard time, you know, with children that need to appreciate diversity or it's children that are in those kinds of situations when something like Black History Month comes up. Well. Why do they have Black History Month? But it's because their entire life, they have been affirmed. They have been supported without effort. (laughs) Just by existing, just by existing, you've been affirmed. Who you are in this world is good and it's right and it's normal, right? And so you know, sort of the things that I listed, that's what parents can do. You've got to disrupt that. So we always say disrupt the default. You've got to put some different books in your, in your home. You've got to diversify, intentionally diversify the things that you do, the people that you talk to. And they're looking at you, parents. If all of your friends look exactly like you, they notice that stuff. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, and then I get a lot of people that are like, oh, but there's no, you know, I live in a place that's basically hundred percent white. What do, I do? How can I, you know, disrupt it when no one is there? But your children are listening to how you respond to things. Because, you you know, race will come up at some point or another. And if someone says something inappropriate or flat out racist, they're watching. Are you going to correct that? I don't care if there's not a Black person or a person of color, you know, a 20-mile radius. They're watching to see if you're going to say, oh, that's not okay. That what you said was not okay and it's racist, right? And so they will carry a lesson like that. So when they go to college and they're my roommate, they're not going to say, oh, you're the first white person I've met. And I've always wanted to touch your hair. And I did. And they're not going to say inappropriate things because they saw you check that years ago when they were younger, which happened to me, by the way, because I did go to a predominantly white institution and I got the whole nine. Oh, can I touch your hair and your skin? And I'm Seriously? Like, oh, absolutely. My wow. roommate, absolutely. Can I touch this? What? Oh my gosh. I've always been so curious. And you're like, i I'm not a pet. Please don't pet me. And like, how did no one, you know what I mean? Yeah. But when you really think about it, it's not that hard to believe because like I said, if you're raised your entire life in one way, only seeing one thing and the only time you see people of color is represented in the media in like a negative way or the news or there, you know, there's something, then of course, of course, you're going to feel that way. So parents, you've got to disrupt that as much as you can.
0: Yeah. Um, So I live in Utah, which is predominantly white. And over the last few months, I've really been working hard to educate myself and provide some of those things in my home. And as a company, as a founder and a leader of a company, we have committed to do some serious work in this area as well. And we have um, several teams that the job is to do better. Mm-hmm. or do better teams because I feel like as a company we can do better and as parents we can do better and uh you have guides for families to teach to, to, to teach your kids how to be anti-racist and I noticed you had three different guides and mm-hmm. that's kind of what you were talking about that there are different experiences depending on the color of
1: your skin so tell us a little about those guides and where can we find those Absolutely it was actually Naomi um if you go to her Instagram which I want to definitely Send people there. It's read like a rock star on Instagram. It is a master course in this sort of work. Every she's made it pretty much her mission to put out really great resources or quotes or, or stories that she has from her life. And I was listening to her it was probably like a year ago, and I was like Naomi, you need to write a book for parents. Like I was like I'm envisioning like something that a parent could read. But then there's also like a child version, they can work together. And she was like, eh, you know, like, I don't know, like she couldn't visualize it. And then after the unfortunate events of George Floyd, when all of a sudden everybody kind of woke up and realized yeah. like, maybe there is racism. We were getting, I mean, hundreds of messages. Like, what do I do? Where do I start? What can I do? And that enough was a lot. And honestly, really irritating because to deal with something your whole life and then have a flood of people all of a sudden work, wake up to that. Yeah, I'm sure. It was upsetting. And so we were like, okay, let's put this guide together. We kind of reworked it and we did. We came up with this guide. Um, we designed it for white families. And really, the thing of those guys is like getting families or people to stop being weird about race. Um, <laughs> stop being weird about it. Stop like, being weird. Yes. Stop being weird. Like, talk. it's okay to say, Black, I'm not offended you, you know, calling me black because yes, I, am. I didn't
0: know that. Like, I really did not know you could say that. I find
1: that so liberating to have that knowledge and be able to just. Absolutely. Use, that's I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm African-American. Eh. Um, you know, I've got my own thoughts about that, but in my mind, I am black and I'm proud to be black yeah. and I'm not offended about you know, being called black, if you're weird about it, then I'm looking at you like, well, what do you have going on that makes you feel weird about it, you know? And so we designed it for families to stop being weird. Um, And so it was a guide where we wanted parents to, we wanted to give parents friendly language to be able to use with young children to understand. And I've got to tell you, the messages that we got back from families after doing that guide, I mean, we had parents crying, we had, because they were like, I thought I was doing enough Mm -hmm. I thought I was raising children to see everyone equally because there's an activity in the guide that's modeled after the, I don't, I can't remember the exact research, but it was the one where they showed children, different pictures might've been like a black man and a white man. They said, which one is the CEO of the company? And like children, black, white, it did not matter. They would always pick the white man. And which one is a criminal? It was like that kind of activity. Mm -hmm. There's a watered down version of that in there where it's like, you know, the same image of a little boy but they vary in skin tone. And the questions say, you know, like, which one is the good kid? Which one is the bad kid? which, And like the messages that we got from parents and they're like, oh my gosh, the kids were picking the darker one was the, you know, bad, you know, and it just really opened a lot of eyes for those parents. And they're like, I've got to do more. Like, this is not okay. And so we first did the white families guide. And then we wanted to do a different one because people of color Right, have a bit of a different experience because they can experience racism, they do experience racism, but it is in a different way than Black people because, it, unfortunately, anti-Blackness is global. It's one of those things where Black people experience racism in a very different way. And so we did want to hold space for people of color. And we're like, yeah, you go through it. So the wording of that guide is a little bit different. Right. And it's like, how can we still support you know our Black brothers and sisters and how can we combat anti-Blackness? But then how can we also recognize that we too can experience racism, you know, and then there's a black guide for black families. And it is a very affirming guide. It just, it does the work that so many black parents have to do. And really the last thing I'll say is at the heart of these guides is they're tough conversations, but black families have to have these conversations no matter what. And that kind of got under our skin that like, why do we have to be the only ones to have these hard conversations? And so these guides were sort of the antidote to that. Like, okay, other families need to be having these hard conversations and this is what it can look like for you. So it's not comprehensive. We look at those guides as a starting line. You can start here, but you need to keep the work going.
0: Yeah. And we're going to link those in the show notes because, you know, the truth is parents are lifelong teachers to our children and our kids are probably not getting this kind of education at school but we have to be providing it at home i believe it is so important and thank you so much for for making that available and i hope everyone listening um, takes a look at those or another resource to help us have those hard conversations because they're important to be having and i think you know, the peace that we want to feel in this country is dependent on this rising generation to have open eyes, an open heart, a greater understanding and capacity to love everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. I well, And this is another beautiful thing that has grown out of some heartbreak. Yes. You know, th- this was a really tough summer and thank you. Thank yeah. you for doing that. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself. You are beautiful. You are <laughs> joy. I, I know that's what we want. We want joy in our classrooms. And anyone who has Miss Tab as her teacher, you are so lucky. Oh, can you tell you. our listeners, where can they find more about you and about the yeah. book and about the courses, everything?
1: Um, I live on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I tolerate facebook and i detest twitter i'm on all of them <laughs> me too i I'm hate the, hate <laughs> that's I hate the worst um, i'm on all of those platforms at apron underscore education um, and then there's my website which is lanishatab.com and that's a whole hub of blog posts and you know just fun things that are you can kind of keep up with what i'm doing with naomi and then what i'm doing on my own lots of fun things there both my books are there. So awesome. Thank you so much. And good
0: luck this year, whatever it may hold for you and your kids and your family. You're yeah. awesome and a Thank light in this so world. Much. Thank you for having me. A lot of fun. Thanks for joining the Mom Force. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come join the conversation over on our Mom Force Facebook group and check out the show notes for a special Chatbooks discount code. Until next time.